Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google certificates. Faster my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with PSB Research. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the latest polls driving the news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So we got some really lovely reviews recently. And that's so nice, you guys. And we don't really twist everyone's arm for reviews, but we got some really great ones. Um, and we will read a couple of them, especially if you can both troll 538 gently and mention the West Wing, then you definitely get a mention. So we got a great review from Libmark, um, who titled her review, I'm assuming it's a gal, fellow girl geeks, girl with several R's, like real 90s style. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Back> Bye, girl. <laughs> exactly. Um, that said, Nate Silver is cool, but I like these gals a little better. If Joey Lucas was your favorite supporting character on The West Wing, then you will like this show as much as I do. All right. You're so, speaking my language. So we thought that was pretty good. And then um, – Another review said uh, they like the fact that we do work as not as pollsters, just talking about polling, but also accessible to a range of listeners. So that's you guys. So that's good. That means, you know, message (laughs) received, message delivered and message received. (laughs) So this week's top lines, the veep stakes are afoot. Who will get the job that's not worth more than a warm bucket of spit? Does it actually matter on who people will vote for at the top of the ticket? We will dive into some awesome data pulled together by Margie's firm. Then, is this election genuinely really tightening again? With Donald Trump down by only about four points, and as we head into the conventions, is Trump gaining steam? And is he only gaining steam with white men, people without college degrees, and Fox Fox News viewers? Will that be enough? How is Gary Johnson affecting the polls? We'll finally take a deep dive into what the third-party candidates mean for how the two-way horse race ballot test shakes out. And then we'll look at polling on race, violence, and the police. And finally, whether or not it's okay for men to cry. Yes. No spoilers. You'll have to wait. So (laughs) first, um, the poll of the week, of course, is about – it vaguely touches um, Pokemon. We talked about Pokemon a couple weeks ago. We were so ahead of the curve. And I felt a little ridiculous talking about Pokemon back then. We knew. I was like – is why is there a poll on this? But hey, why not? And it's the pollster's crystal ball. <laughs> and turns out some of them, there must have been some secret psyops going on from Team <laughs> Pokemon. Like, hey, let's do a poll so like people are talking about Pokemon and <laughs> just so people aren't completely surprised and caught unawares <laughs> when Pokemon mania hits everywhere, I guess. I, I don't know. I still don't really understand. People are like 
using a, an app to find their friends or find strangers and run oh, yeah. around. You uh, have a Pokemon gym like a block from this office. Yeah. Sorry, I just that's another what? one of those like I just said a lot of words and Fargy's like Pokemon gym. I like is that what? like a figure of speech or are there really like Pokemon? No, so what's cool? I don't All right, here I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can catch Pokemon here in the studio right now. I so hope nobody this... at PSB Research is p- p- pretending to be a Pokemon right oh, now. Oh, I had my phone in airplane mode so it didn't disrupt. Okay, instead of so see making here this is this is me the little girl in the hat and we're I standing see. in your office. That's. Thomas Circle or oh, whatever yeah. that circle is. Yeah, so yeah. that's a Pokemon gym. So uh, I can go there and I can make my little pets fight the dominant pets there. Basically, Pokemon is like cartoon dog fighting that's been sanitized. I see. Okay. Japanese cartoon dog fighting. I mean, I don't want to sound like one of those patronizing, like condescending moms, but this is just the thing that, you know. I can't even imagine. This is like thing number 8,000 on my list of things to do. (laughs) What's cool about it is it's forcing some people who do not normally exercise a lot to get exercise. So, you know, when you talk about video games, normally you're you're envisioning somebody like just sitting there stationary staring at a phone or sitting there stationary staring at a laptop or staring at a computer or staring at a TV and not moving. And then they had those Wii games a couple of years ago where like, okay – I'm moving my arm in a bowling motion. Right. I'm swinging my arm around. But, like, that's still not super-duper physical activity. Here, so one of the things you can do is hatch a Pokemon. You can catch an egg and you can hatch it. But in order to hatch it, you have to walk five kilometers. Uh. And it knows if you're in a car versus walking, because I've tried, you actually have to walk. So, like, when I walk from here back to my home after we tape the show – that's what, like half a mile, quarter of a mile. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get. I'll probably have an egg hatch on my way back home, Marjorie. Get well, excited. congratulations, Kristen. You. You're. <laughs> this is more servicey than like the thousands of snarky tweets I've seen about Pokemon in the last couple days. But it, even despite that, I don't know if we can turn around the numbers from Pew from around January, which I guess Pew pushed out again in the last couple days to kind of get some a Pokemon lift to their <laughs> from on social from their like January release, and people were flagging this for and us it looks on like Twitter. The survey was conducted. Conducted exactly a year ago. Like yes. it came out of the field in July 2015. Yes. And they must have written about it in January. So like this is a little bit old, but still very relevant. I, I don't think pulling data. I don't data, think this is so volatile. Yeah, this is the sort of thing where I think it's fine to pull data from a year ago. It's not like, uh, 10 years ago. This is not the first nor last time that I, well, this time I actually did not mistakenly say, hey, look at this. But it was really from a year ago. Normally, I, <laughs> I'm a little slow on the uptake. Um, but it, in this poll from Pew, over half of Americans thought that a waste of time is a true statement for most video games or some but not other video games. So we'll see if these numbers change as a result of Pokemon and in which direction they change. Yes. Well, and you also have 50% of millennials who, according to YouGov, say that they hold their phone in their hand throughout the day that they asked where do you keep your smartphone and people 55 and up you know had there were a bunch of other places you can leave your smartphone but a majority of millennials they keep their smartphone in their hand hey this is where margie's like a millennial hey welcome <laughs> i'm not gonna hatch any pokemon he's like under my I pillow do, i do carry my phone <laughs> with me within two feet of me at all times so moving on so <laughs> to less important matters <laughs> like the 2016 election <laughs> um 
Another topic of lots of snarky tweets. I mean, the general election, look, it's, you know, I think the national tracker is now getting a little bit closer, 45 to 41. Currently, as of this morning, the Huffington Post average with Clinton up. I mean, it's a little closer than maybe it's been. It's kind of the same. I mean, yeah, I think like really two changing. weeks ago it was six and last week it was five. Now it's like 4.3. I mean, but those are, those are, they're small, but I mean, Considering what I think a lot of folks would say is a, two or three pretty bad weeks for Trump in terms of the things he has said and done. I mean, like they haven't they haven't heard him. It's no. just, it hadn't happened. No. Um, and then Quinnipiac came out with some polling today that, of course, caused quite a stir. Um, so as we talked about, I think, last week and the week before, Trump's whole strategy is, look – if it, whatever, if I lose a Florida or I lose a Colorado, these swing states that have large Hispanic populations, whatever, because I'm going to win Pennsylvania and Ohio and these Rust Belt, heavily white states, I'll run up the numbers there and be fine. And so Quinnipiac, you know, when we talked to Doug from Quinnipiac a few weeks ago, he mentioned, you know, they have these waves of states that they do. So Florida, Ohio and Pennsylvania are one of their waves. That's the wave that came out this morning. Last time this wave came out, Trump was down by a lot in Florida and I think was close in Ohio and Pennsylvania. But that's part of why we were saying, okay, his strategy has changed. In this wave, he's actually up in Florida by three, which is different than an awful lot of other polls that are out there. Right. Doesn't mean that Quinnipiac's data is bad or wrong. Like, you know, poll hurting is a bad thing when people don't put poll numbers out because they're so different Then everybody just herds around one set of numbers and you don't actually know if you're getting the real deal. So kudos to them for releasing a poll that certainly makes headlines. And there were folks on Twitter, you know, I saw some people kind of tweeting, throwing shade at the poll like, oh, well, it's a Quinnipiac poll. But like Quinnipiac is there. They got an A minus rating from 538. Right. Natalie Jackson at HuffPost was kind of like defending them today. It's a it's a high quality phone poll. Philip Bump at the Washington Post, you know, wrote a piece about I mean, lots of people have been going back and forth about it. But yeah, but I mean, that's why averaging polls is a smart thing to do. Don't ever let one poll freak you out one way or the other. And don't spend too much energy right. saying, oh, well, this poll is garbage or this poll is gospel. Look at the totality of the data. And unfortunately, we are taping the show on Wednesday afternoon. There's going to be some Fox News state polls coming out. I think some NBC Marist polls yep. are coming out. So there will be a whole bunch of data that will come out shortly after we wrap the show. There will be something else to annoy you. There will be something new <laughs> to like completely change this conversation. But what is notable in this Quinnipiac data um, is that Trump really seems to be kind of running up the numbers with – white men that that's part of why he's changed from being down by like eight or so in florida to being up by three it's not that he's suddenly doing great among women or young voters or hispanics or independents it's that white men about a month ago i think were only in favor of him by about 17 points and are now breaking for him in just huge numbers so he has consolidated exactly the types of voters you would think are trump voters 
The question is, is that enough? And so really, is Quinnipiac's sample representative of what Florida's electorate will look like? Right. And, it, you know, the other thing, and they were very, Doug was very nice at Quinnipiac to send us some of the party by gender cross tabs. Thank which, you, Doug. Yay, Doug. So folks who have been longtime listeners of the show, like you know, which is, there's about a thousand of you that have been with us from the beginning. I've heard my constant complaint about how you can't look at uh, party alone or gender alone because of differences by party and gender. If you look at all women and say, well, women are voting for Clinton, because that must be because of X, Y, and Z assumptions I just made. No, it could actually be because women are disproportionately democratic. So you need to look at party by gender. And what this shows, uh, what these crosstabs show is that um, uh, Republican women are not really that different from Republican men, which is actually an improvement for Trump than some of the yeah. national Republican women numbers we've been seeing for a while. I don't know if that's Quinnipiac. I don't know if that's these states. I don't know if that's time. I don't I don't know the answer to that. You know, that, we can't tell the answer to that we don't know the answer to that right right now. But the fact that in these states you have, you know, seven, between 65 to 78 percent of Republican women voting for Trump, depending on the state, is a sign that he's doing really quite, he's consolidating that Republican base. Um, so that, you know, that, that bodes well for him. I mean, obviously people have been talking about how women are the, you know, going to be a key, uh, group here. They may move away from Trump. They can be turned off from Trump because of all of his various, Comments he said over the past, you know, 20 years. But these particular polls show that at least among Republican women, that's not the case. And among independent women, this is something that really surprised me. Donald Trump is ahead by, you know, two to four points. So not a huge amount, but he's ahead among independent women in all three of these states. Yeah, that's a surprising finding, if true. Yeah, right. Exactly. So if that holds... That will be good news for Trump. Now, and that's despite having, let's face it, bad news for all the candidates or uneven news for the candidates for the, you know, for the past couple of weeks. I mean, you had, we've had a lot of tragic news that has really changed and, and uh, thrown the whole national conversation into a lot of turmoil. You had, uh, you know, sort of the usual, but nonetheless kind of bad seeming news for Trump, which ultimately doesn't do anything to him, but still dominates what we're talking about. You had the, uh, FBI uh, announcement um, about a, you know, a week and a half ago, and the Washington Post ABC poll showed. I guess their results are quite are in some ways not not surprising. You had a majority say they disapprove of the FBI's recommendation that Clinton not be charged with a crime, and a majority also say it's not going to have an impact on their own vote. And I think those two things taken together, to me, kind of encapsulate this whole story for me. You know, this is a problem for me, but not a problem for me enough that it's going to change my vote. Right. And that's why, you know, you haven't seen, well, maybe these polls will come out tonight and they'll show that the race has changed in some huge way. But I, I remember watching Trump's, Trump gave like a press conference the night after the uh, Comey recommendation. And he like spent five minutes talking about the FBI. And then he went, like rogue and started talking about the golf course and like got real weird and started talking about how Chuck Todd was sleepy eyes. Chuck. I know. And about his tweets. Oh and, my gosh. Yeah, it was so weird. And I was just watching. I'm like, Oh, Trump is just throwing this away. And yet the, the polls have not shown it hurting him because I guess at this point, if you already think Trump is crazy, like that's 
Is it already baked in? Is the, is he for real that he could stand on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and it wouldn't change things? I don't know. But each week that passes makes me think that is possibly correct. But so in all these polls that show, you know, decent news ish for, you know, decent ish news for Trump, there was a poll by Bloomberg and Purple, uh, a Purple Slice poll, my former firm, um, did a poll with college educated voters and they showed Clinton really crushing Trump with this group, 54 to 32. This was a group that went two points for Obama, just two in 2012. You know, not this massive, uh, massive uh, uh, lead here. And among Republicans, so this is among uh, college-educated Republicans, um, if you could choose, this is the question, would you prefer that Trump and Trump remain the nominee or would you prefer to see him replaced? And it was completely divided, 43-42. Replaced versus remain. I mean, remain versus replaced doesn't really matter. It was evenly divided among uh, Democrats. Fifty eight percent of college educated Democrats said, no, she should remain the nominee as opposed to replace, which is about 30 percent, which actually seems quite quite high, frankly, that 30 percent. But the division among Republicans is really massive. And the fact that there's more division among Republicans than among Democrats, we talked about this on the show. It's consistent with a lot of the public polls. You know, there's been a few public polls. We're not even going to really mention it too much now. But in the wake of the Sanders endorsement, a lot of polls showing Sanders voters voting for Clinton, you know, more than they were at this time voting, you know, Clinton voters voting for Obama 2008. I saw someone on the news yesterday, a pundit saying, I'm really surprised by this, which is not a surprise if you've been listening to the pollsters, because a lot of polls have been showing that now for a while. So that continues to be true. This poll is just another kind of data point in that sub story. So now we've got the conventions coming up and uh, I'll be in Cleveland next week. Yay. Super excited. It's going to be fun. Actually, uh, (laughs) folks, make sure that if you uh, are watching convention coverage, maybe consider watching ABC because one of your co-hosts will be uh, sitting at the desk with Donna Brazil, Bill Crystal, and Cokie Roberts. Chatted up with George, George and Martha and company. That is so awesome. It's going to be cool. I'm really excited. But I'm also a little bit nervous because this whole thing seems like it could be – it could go sideways. Uh, Not just from like a security perspective, but also – I mean, who knows if things are going to go squirrely. This whole platform process on the Republican side has been dicey to say the least. I mean, there's – there is no one – in the control room right now. So <laughs> like who no, like right now there's no like schedule of speakers that people can look at right. to see like who's talking. The homework is thing. due. The homework is the due. The homework is due. A yes. week from now, a vice presidential candidate will be giving a speech. And we don't know who it is. Speaking of which, Margie, tell us a little bit about some cool research your firm did. So we did this really – okay. So, you know, folks who listen to the pollsters know that we're not fans of just making up stuff based on your gut or just doing, you know, ham-fisted assumptions, right? So you see lots of people yammering on out there about, you know, Elizabeth Warren, if she's the pick – Aren't people going to – I had a reporter call me about this. Aren't people going to be, you know, upset? Isn't that going to turn people off? And and the, the guy ended up not quoting me because I got a little annoyed. I'm like, turned off by what? Like, what do you mean, like, turned off? Like, you know, having two women on the ticket. I'm like, and so what would that do exactly? It's like just explain, you know, we'll get some people, you know – 
not want to vote for them. I'm like, okay, but what is the thing that they are going to think that is going to happen? That's what I want you to tell me <laughs> so I can and respond also, to that. if you're the sort of person that's like, wow, two women, I don't know if I can do that. One woman, one woman okay. Like, were two... you a Hillary voter to begin with? No, you were not. Most likely not. Okay, so so, so anyway, so that so that one just makes me, you know, that would just make me like steam would come out of my ears whenever I hear that. I'm like, what based on what is that exactly? So um so that's the first one. And then you had all this, you know, Republican handicapping like Ivanka, everyone loves Ivanka. Or Isn't she constitutionally not even able like No, it's she's like my age. I can't be Oh, president. the age part, I don't know. As but we have th- there's like also, if they're both from New York, one of them might have to re-register in Florida. Oh, but they got Mar-a-Lago. They can but, figure yeah, that so out. they can figure that out. Right. So, um, and that's only just for New York electric. Anyway, so, but that we digress. So, um, you know, and Newt Gingrich and there'll be six wives and that won't work. And, you know, Mike Pence, everyone's going to be so excited because Mike Pence is going to like electrify the nation somehow. <laughs> like all these things that, you know, Jeff Sessions going to stabilize the whole thing, stabilize the ship. And these things like... They just don't make sense, these assumptions. They definitely didn't seem based in data. Uh, my apologies if you listening listeners have been making those assumptions out there in the world. So we did a little tool at PSB where we did a poll and we asked an initial head-to-head three-way with Johnson. And then we tested eight different potential Ds and eight potential Rs. And people got to see all kinds of different combinations. They picked their top one. They picked their lowest, you know, their least favorite. Then we'd ask them a follow-up. Okay, well, if that ticket was actually on the ballot, this one that you said was your favorite, would you actually vote for them? And then they could say, well, no, not really. And then – so that's max diff scaling. Then we did um, Bayesian hierarchical estimation. Um, And – then we came up with this tool, which you can go play with online, and you can see all the different combinations, what would happen, the added impact of all these different VP uh, potential tickets across a bunch of different segments. So African-Americans, Latinos, white women, white men, et cetera, Republicans, former Bernie voters, former non-Trump Republicans. And turns out Elizabeth Warren is the best damn pick, even with white men. So she's, you know, they don't all go freaking out. Their heads don't explode at the thought of two women. Um, and Ivanka is well known and popular, not a good VP pick. She just, <laughs> it's just like as a terrible, terrible VP pick with every audience. Um, and Gingrich and, you know, Christie is sort of a second runner up as the best Republican picks, but this is also because everybody a... wants a moon base. Right. <laughs> Everyone likes zoos. Hashtag the moon base vote. I but, want a moon base. I like zoos. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so, it, what was it? Also, not a surprise. And I remember, like, the statisticians were sent sent me the data, and they're like, "None of the VPs except for Ivanka really make that big of a difference. Is that okay?" I'm like, "No, no, that's correct. Because that's exactly." <laughs> That's a, that's correct. I know that's, you know, it would be interesting if one of them, if like Tim Kaine, like made Hillary Clinton jump up 25 points, but that's just not, that's just not how the VP pick works. Yeah. I've loved so many people lately have called and been like, you know, reporters or whatever asking like, oh, well, you know, is it, don't, don't you need to pick someone that can kind of like win an important state? It's like, let's, let's go back. Okay. Mitt Romney picked Paul Ryan. Wisconsin was never really going to swing, right? Barack Obama picked Joe Biden, the oh-so-important swing state of Delaware that's always blue and doesn't have that many well, electoral votes. to Pennsylvania, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like that's yeah. – yeah. yeah. I mean – okay, so then let's go back before that. Sarah Palin, Alaska. Right. I mean that's that was not the point. 
uh, John Kerry and Edwards. Was Edwards picked to like try to win North Carolina in part? Or maybe, you know, the South in general? Because Dick Cheney was not chosen to win Wyoming. Right. That was not the point. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe there was some like Southern Democrat. And like I I doubt Gore picked Lieberman to try to win Connecticut. So, I mean, like I'm going back like 16 years here really trying to find an example of someone that was like, yes, I picked you to win a particular state where like it it would have like made a big difference. So your research – yeah, seems to confirm that like people put way too much stock in the importance of this VP. Well, since it was just kind of free for the world, we did not have because we tested Rick Scott, but we don't, you know, we didn't do like Florida level sure stuff, sure, sure. right, right, right. So if you were truly That's going true. to do this for yourself, I don't have data. You would actually, you would actually want to do a little simulator it for Florida or for wherever, right? For New Jersey or for. <laughs> Max Diff is a really cool way to do this, though, because it's, you know, you could do the traditional, like, quick and easy way a pollster might do this might be, like, get a fave on fave for all of these people. And be like, uh, Gingrich doesn't have the best fave on fave, so don't pick him. Right. And that's not really what you're looking for. Or you could say, like, you know, rank your top three choices. Maybe that gets it, but maybe it doesn't. I mean, and so when you're doing Max Diff – you're basically – like you can do this a lot in the marketing world. Like if you're trying to figure out what features to put on a product. Exactly, like exactly. would you rather have more cup holders or better gas mileage? Right, right, right. Would you rather have easier to access USB ports or leather seats? Or Yeah, exactly. And you ask like a million different combinations of those questions and that's how you figure out like, gosh, USB ports are super important. Whereas if you had just asked what's the most important thing in a car – Nobody's picking USB ports. Right. Like that's an example of what Max Diff is used for. Right. So it's super, you know, so it's it was a, it this. was a lot of fun to do because right. And and also New hard Gingrich IDs. is cup holders. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, you can't dismiss the power of hard ID for some of this stuff. Like Al Franken did better than Tim Kaine because Al Franken is better known. Nationally, and that was part of why we put him and see what's the added value of something like that. Joni Ernst, to, you know, who is not well known, uh, did not just sort of automatically boost support for Trump with women, even when paired against a Dem, v, you know, uh, male Dem VP pick. So, I mean, it, the power of that celebrity mattered, unless you were Ivanka, because that that was a separate kind of case. But um, so anyway, so that was a pretty fun little project. Um, and you could you know, also look at some of the, you know, and people can't, aren't just, um, you know, if you have those like, who are, who's your number one and you have a list of 10, it, your results are going to matter based on who is in your list or how many people you have in your list. This way you can really get a good sense based on no matter how many people are on your list. So anyway, go check it out. It's lots of fun. And uh, tweet it out and share it because I, I at least was really proud of how it turned out. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> well, the other big story that's been in the news over the last week has been uh, the continued stories about violence between um, police and uh African-Americans and the continuing sort of rising tensions. Uh, We've been spending the last couple of shows where we've talked about um, polling on attitudes about race and racial divisions in this country. Um, There's now some data uh, from Morning Consult trying to dive into the question about violence more specifically and uh, violence against police, violence um, from police uh, and what people are concerned about. And according to this morning consult poll, uh, they find that violence against the police is something that more people are concerned about than being the victim of police violence. Um, Only 45 percent of voters think that police 
engaging in violence against the public um, is a very serious fear, whereas 78 percent of Americans uh, – eight, where uh, which is a view that is shared by 78 percent of African-Americans but only 39 percent of white voters. So throughout this poll, if you are African-American, you are significantly more likely – to view police brutality as something that you are concerned about or that you are worried that you or someone you know will be a victim of. It's much lower for white voters. Only 39% think that police violence against the public is a very serious fear. Only 12% think that police brutality is something that they or someone they know is likely to be a victim of. Um, For other types of things like gun violence, the numbers don't change that dramatically between demographic groups. Um, terrorist attacks, uh, you have uh, white respondents are 35 percent of them choose terrorist attack as the thing they're most afraid of. While for African-Americans, again, it's only 7 percent because so many of them think police brutality is the thing that's most likely to affect them. I mean, this is this, you know, one of these questions that and we've talked about this with some of the other questions on race and and guns. There's such massive differences in how people answer these questions based on their own race. I mean, it is just incredibly striking. I mean, that a plurality, it's a slight plurality of white voters say uh, they're most worried about a terror attack, uh, that they be a victim themselves or someone they know of a terrorist attack. Half of black voters say, no, it's police brutality for me. Um, that's a pretty stark difference. Uh, and then Rasmussen asks a question and, and this, Anyway, this is one of those questions that I think and, – and this is you know the framing of this issue th- that you see in the news and now maybe reflected a little bit in the polling that you have to pick a side of like what are you more concerned about, coverage or the danger of police violence, uh, violence against police or violence from police? Which is it? You know, Which is it, America? Which are you most concerned of that that's somehow a reflection of your own views and that's something that we need to discuss like you know, which, which side you come down on in this as opposed to it all being – being, you know, one side, all, all, you know, something that we all should be worried about or everybody should be equally troubled by by all of it. Um, so that's, I think, the morning consult poll doesn't frame it in that way um, because of the way the questions are asked, that there are several different questions. The Rasmussen poll asks, uh, do you think the media would give more coverage to an incident in which a policeman shoots a black suspect or would the media give more coverage to a police shooting in which the suspect is white? So that to me, you know, we've talked about this before. Are there times where the question wording of uh, sometimes can follow the divisiveness of an issue in a way that kind of highlights the divisiveness or are, is that important that we try and look at it, the divisiveness and measure it? And so I don't know really where I come down on, on that on that answer when I look at this question, but Almost three-fourths say they think the media would give more coverage to an incident in which a policeman shoots a black suspect. Um, and that's actually fairly consistent across racial groups. Um, and then a two-thirds say the media coverage of shootings by police officers inspires people to attack the police. Um, and that, too, has some you know support, majority support across different uh, racial groups. So I don't know. These are troubling findings. And, I, you know, I'm not quite sure if I agree about how the wording is framed. The, the other finding from this Rasmussen poll that I think is interesting from a statistical perspective is when they ask people, do you think that it's that there are more police shootings today? Or do you think it's just that we now have more of an ability to see these things because of social media and smartphone technology. So it may feel right now like all of a sudden there's this rash of police brutality against African-Americans. 
34% of Americans think, yes, there has been an increase in police shootings. Um, 58% though think, you know, this is how it's always been. We just now have the ability to make an issue out of it because you can post video of Alton Sterling or video of the Facebook live video. Yeah. I mean, the, the, these that all of a sudden America can't just turn a blind eye to these things and say like, oh, no, racism's totally over. This isn't a real thing. This is just the media. And, and that's why I don't – you know, when I read, for instance, that morning consult result that shows that significantly by like – a seven to one margin, African Americans think that police brutality is more likely to something they'll be a victim of compared to terrorism. Like, I think that asking those questions is important. And yes, it highlights divisions, but like, I think it's important for white Americans to understand this is what black Americans are thinking. Right. I was in a focus group pretty recently where a white woman who had an African American boyfriend said, you know, we got pulled over the other day. And I'm like in the passenger seat trying to mouth off to the cops and my boyfriend is sitting there with his hands on the wheel, like not moving at all, like telling me like, stop, stop, stop. And she's like, that was my first time realizing like he legitimately thinks he could have gotten killed in that exchange. Whereas I'm like mouthing off to the cop about my constitutional rights and how dare you and whatever. And she's like, I just it never would occur to me that a cop might shoot me. And like that was an illuminating moment for her. And so sometimes these poll findings, I mean, that's a that's like astounding to me because it's just hard for me to put myself in the mindset of somebody that like thinks the cops would be aggressive with me. Right. I mean, I'm the type of person that would absolutely get mouthy with a cop or cry. Yeah. We'll get to that. Right. That was not, that was like an unintentional segue (laughs) to the next story. Um, I would not recommend, I get mouthy with a lot of folks. Cops usually I try to stay away from, but um, the uh, more like constitutional rights. Yes. Like, Right. Um, did you? But like the video of the Dallas doctor, there was a Dallas, I think, I don't know if it was an ER doctor who said, you know, when I see a cop with my kids, I always get them ice cream. I mean, that really broke my heart just so that my for my children and for the cop and for everybody to see, you know, like I'm out with my family, you know, and that just broke it broke yeah. my heart. Like I may fear you, but I'll still I want to be your neighbor. I mean, that was a really powerful video. And about I just want to touch on the smartphone thing. Something I don't normally do, which is recommend that people read something in the Daily Caller. Bat K. Lewis had a really uh, I thought courageous piece in Daily Caller. It was Daily Caller saying, you know, I didn't realize this was such an issue until smartphones were catching, you know, started catching police violence, um, and you know. I, I just didn't realize how much of an issue this was until this happened. And that bounced its way around the internet a lot. So um, so I think that reflects that. He reflects that 58%. Um, you know, not normally a person I agree with on a lot of stuff, but I thought that was really a good thing to say, an important thing to say. So I think that uh, that particular poll question, you're right, reflects where a lot of people are. So speaking of hysterics in public, A.K.A. Yes. Kristen getting pulled over in Marion County, Florida in 2005 <laughs> and really not wanting another speeding ticket. All they do is catch kids driving back and forth to Gainesville. Right. That's all the cops have to do in Marion County. I, they're just, That's where all the senior citizens live. It's where the villages is. All they do is catch college students. Yes. No, you're just like sitting ducks. I mean, they're just waiting there. Yeah. So it's I like cried. Fish in a, and I, fish I got in a one ticket, but then I did not get the second. I wasn't mm. crying to get out of it. I was crying because I was like. My parents are going to kill me. Yeah. And that was just the emotion that came. But alas, polling suggests 
This it's is actually okay. totally fine for me it's to cry totally in public. Totally fine. It's. I was actually shocked. I'm not normally sh- totally shocked by the results we see, but this one, I'm surprised. How most people say it's acceptable. Eighty nine percent say it's acceptable for men to cry in private. Ninety three percent say it's acceptable for women to cry in private. The numbers are not really that different in public. So 72% say it's acceptable for men to cry in public, and 82% say it's acceptable for women to cry in public. You know who I think we can thank for this? John Boehner. <laughs> Probably. I mean, or is there Breaking backlash? social norms, breaking boundaries. That's I'm just true. saying. That's true. He is a bit of a- He's a, owned it. A gender avenger. Um, so, <laughs> so then they- Did you ever think you would say <laughs> that you think John Boehner's a gender avenger? Because this is warming my heart we right are, now. I just have to say. Them. I never thought I'd talk about Pokemon twice in one year <laughs> or call John Boehner a gender avenger. <laughs> have you ever seen The Big Lebowski? Yes. Isn't there a moment when the guy's like, real men- also cry. And he's like crying in front of the fireplace. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, mean, <laughs> no, I don't sorry. remember that part. <laughs> that may be one of those parts where I've fallen asleep. Um, so key findings. Pokemon is a thing. Don't say we didn't warn you. Gotta catch them all. Donald Trump. Don't say we didn't warn you. <laughs> Newt Gingrich. Well, consider yourself warned, folks. <laughs> Um, shooting by police and shooting of police. This is the kind of forced choice question we're not sure is necessarily helpful. And if all of this makes you want to take a Holly Hunter cry break, well, America agrees that this is okay. And America, you've earned it. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters and individually at at Margie O'Meara and at Casultis Anderson. You can find us at thepolsters.com where we'll post our show notes. Also, follow us on Facebook where we post links to the stories we might want to talk about on the upcoming show. Be sure to write a review. Uh, let us know what you think. Tweet at us. Uh, subscribe to our show on Stitcher or whatever your favorite podcatcher is. Oh, and Google Play Music. We're there now. Google Play Music. Oh, very cool. Uh, and... We look forward to chatting with you all next week from – I'll be from the conventions. It'll be crazy. Bye. Thanks. Bye. (laughs)